my name is Athena Kablenu. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer and podcaster and broadcaster and all kinds of things. And I'm also a parent, which is great. But every now and again, I yeah, yeah thank you. You should cheer that. It's a, it's a it's a privilege to be a parent. It really is. Uh, however, um, children do lack conversational skills. Um, they have lots of skills, but conversation is not a skill they have. So for me to uh, fulfil my need for highbrow intellectual stimulation, I invite a mate round every now and again to keep my company. And I can't do that because of lockdown. We know the score. Blah blah blah. I've been saying this for the past few weeks now. I can't have people round, but I can meet people over the internet which is cool so welcome <laughs> to my internet because i own the internet now well for the next half an hour yeah or so louise power welcome Woo! thank you glad to be How here afina thank you Thank you for having. I was. I just said thank you for having me on my own podcast. This is how mad lockdown has made me. I don't know anything anymore. Thank you for coming, and yeah. it's taken me ages because I t- we spoke about uh, us recording our yes. conversation uh, and putting it out as a podcast ages ago, and I'm only now getting round to it. How have you, how have you been since we last spoke? It's been a, it's been a yeah. While. I've been all right. I've been good. Don't worry about the ages part because I just feel like there's no concept of time at the moment. I don't know what day it is sometimes because the weekend's like the weekdays and the weekdays feel like the weekends. Um, and, you know, it's we've got like shops that would normally open, normally be open are closed. And so I think that our concept of time at the moment is a little bit off. Um, How are you finding that? Because I like it. Um, I, I do. I, okay, do I like it? I have enjoyed the slowing down. Um, I've definitely benefited from the world just taking a chill and from getting out of the rat race. I have really benefited from that in terms of just little things with like doing stuff for myself and I've you know reading more, doing some creative stuff, you know, and and with my son as well. Um, but there is part of me though, Athena, that is ready to just burst into my butterfly self like having a taste of socializing with family and friends lately has made me realize okay enough now like I I don't necessarily want it to go back to the very um fast and somewhat selfish world we lived in before but I do want to like socialize now (laughs) without worrying I'm gonna get sick is there anything you're doing now? Because you said you, you're doing some creative things and you're taking time to yourself. Is there anything that you're doing now that you'd like to make sure you continue when lockdown is finally lifted? Definitely. Um, I'm taking more time to read. So I've like made my bedroom into this like peaceful space to be. Um, and I've got my vision board and I can see that now. Um, and I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm you know, tr- sticking more things as they goes by and collecting magazines. And I'm just taking more time. I forgot how much I enjoyed reading. Um, and I got, I think life was so busy before lockdown that I wasn't really reading. I was reading what I had to if it concerned work or, or something like that, or if it was like a paper that I was grabbing on, on, on my commute. But now I've gone back to like, you know, ordering books that I enjoy doing a lot of self-development and things like that. So I would definitely love to continue that. I've been spending more quality time with my son. So I feel like we've been sitting down having really more meaningful conversations, you know, real conversations where I'm like, 
hold on a minute, is this a seven-year-old I'm talking to? Like, <laughs> like, what's happened? Like, you've just, you, you, you suddenly become so mature overnight. And, um, and we're just having really meaningful conversations about the world and, and, you know, just things that he's interested in. And I think that what can happen is when you're in the, in the, in the thick of it all the time, it's almost like, everything is is rushing around like my mornings would be rushing around to get him into school then I'd have like my day and I'd have my calendar and most of the time that was blocked out with meetings or or things to do and then in the evening I'm a single parent so I'd be like right I've got to cook dinner and then I have to find some time to tidy up as well and do washing and most of the time like I just ended up having like you know locks inside of my hair or or because I just couldn't comb it or, you know, anything to do with self-care and me was like, just not happening. Like, yeah, it goes out the window when you've got a state, the state of my, when I had my one, the state of my feet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I finally got my pedicure, she was taken off covers. That's all I'll say. It was madness. Because the one thing you can't do if you can't prioritise yourself is take five minutes to file your heels down and do your nails, not your toenails. Who has yes. time? You yes. cannot prioritise that. And they, one day I looked at them and it just looked like the San Andreas fault, but like loaded them on my feet. It oh just my God. Like, it, was, it was just, and I'm I not particularly, I I'm, not, I'm not even a particularly like, you know, I'm not a Kardashian or anything, but it was something I used to care about. And then all of a sudden you can't care about that anymore. I want to ask you quickly what you're reading. Cause I'm always, I love, I love reading. Um, it's something that I was, had to stop doing. It's another thing I couldn't really have the time for when I had my daughter and I've managed to get back into books. So what kind of stuff have you been reading? So I'm reading two books at the moment. So I'm reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's a very, very, very popular book. Um, and in some senses, um, it's sort of, if you've heard of the book, The Secret, you know about universal of attraction and the the kind of thinking that we we need to entail in terms of attracting those things that we want in our life so a lot of those books have been based off of this um uh off of this book itself here uh napoleon hill and um yeah think and grow rich is a great book and it's all about you know if mastering the the secret of true and lasting success, but it's not about money. You know, it, it says think and grow rich, but it's about enrichment in your thoughts, the thinking process, what it is that you're you're um, putting in terms of your delivery for what it is that it that it is that you want in life. And the other book is She Prays. So it's a thirty-one journey to confident conversations with God by Deb, Debbie. Lindell and it's really nice because you don't have to read the whole book at once you can read a section um you know every day has a piece you can read um and and you know I I mean I'm I've I've got like I'm very spiritually connected um I've got a strong relationship with my with God and um you know I just I think that every you know I know that everyone has got different um beliefs but I for me tapping into my faith and tapping into my um, Christianity helps me to stay centered, stay focused, and, and in touch with 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 you know my my being myself. You know, it sounds like you're really interested in self improvement and growth. Is that a fair thing to say in terms of that's what you look for when you're looking for something to read and something to learn about? Yes, yes. That, those are the things that I enjoy most. Those are the things that get me excited. <laughs> 
And that doesn't surprise me because I know you are an entrepreneur, which is like very common for people who run businesses and startups to be very into self-improvement and manifestation, uh, just because you cannot, you can't start a business if you don't believe in yourself. It's just impossible. Is you can be you can be a comedian if you don't believe in yourself. In fact, people will like that. No one likes a cocky comedian, right? But you cannot start a business if you don't believe in yourself. So, so what what came first? Was it like you started? You thought you'd like to start a business, and then you realised this was um, something you needed, or have you always had an interest in these kind of ways of thinking? Such the quick the chicken or the egg. That is such a good question because. Um, what came first? It's like the fight or fight or flight thing, like chicken or egg. Because for me, it was like I've always been interested, but it was my circumstances of becoming a single parent that actually gave me the motivation to take those thoughts and make them a reality. Before that, I, I kind of um, stayed. I was able to stay in a safe spot, safe space. Uh, in salary salaried roles and in jobs that you know I was quite capable of but always having at the back of my mind you know wanting to take the plunge but when I became a single mother and my circumstances completely changed that was it that was the moment where it was like it, it I think it just gave me the confidence to say and, and I had another human being to that I wanted to um motivate and inspire and and do things for in life so suddenly these the, the fault the fault came into reality and i was like right all the time that i wanted to do this this is the time now for me if i'm not going to do it now i'm never going to do it so um and then that's when i started my first um entrepreneurial um well i wouldn't say my first because i've always sold things or you know or being the sort of person that is interested in in business but really with conviction and saying I am starting something that's when you know through adversity became opportunity I would say that's funny because I have a similar journey not quite as inspiring as having a child I was in a job where I got done for gross misconduct and I was like, I've got to get out of this. I've got to get out of this system because it's doing, it's, you know, the saying, the devil makes work for idle thumbs. Yes. That's exactly what it was. And it really made me realise that it didn't matter how much I was earning and what position I was in and what opportunities were there. Like, if it's not fulfilling, like, you'll find a way to sabotage it or you'll be, you'll be unfulfilled and you'll, the energy that you should be putting into something that you like, you put into other things, which, which, I mean, it sounds terrible. It wasn't that bad. It was just, it was just silly. <laughs> but, uh, and I didn't, by the way, I kept my job. It was fine in the end. Yeah. But um, it made me think I need to um, think, like I think I'd got into a stage in my life where I had most things that I had aimed for and I was still very unfulfilled. And I was a bit confused by that, especially working in the civil service, which is what I was doing at the time. Like it's all, it's a lot of bullshit. It's all very politicised. There's a lot of mediocrity, a huge yeah. amount of it. Uh, most of that mediocrity is above you and earning more money than you. Um, yeah. And I realised it didn't matter how high I got, there will always be someone higher than me who was mediocre, mostly white and mediocre, and that I would still be surrounded by that kind of unfairness. I still wouldn't have any real power because there were just systems that you can't change. 
And going through that process made me think, I've got to start doing something else with my life. Um, but I didn't get into comedy at that point. At that point, I got into something really different. I got into cycle instruction. And I started teaching people how to ride bikes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that about you. That's what I did for a little while. And I kept it up for a little while. And then I, then I got too busy. Um, because Love I didn't it. Know what else to do. Love that. And that's really poorly paid. Um, and it's um, I only did it because there was some government scheme where you could do the course really cheaply. And I thought, well, I love bikes and I was cycling a lot at the time. Um, so I did the course and I thought, oh, I can do this. And it was great. Um, but then after that, I was like, I probably need fulfillment and money. So then I got I just did some other stuff. Can I talk to you about being starting your own business? First of all, as a woman and then as a black woman, purely because I've got a couple of friends who uh, started businesses and their quest to get investment was just was just fraught with racism. It was no other way. They would tell me these stories. Yeah. And I just would be I wouldn't. Even, well, it, I wasn't shocked. Racism never shocks me, but I couldn't believe that they had the, the resilience to get through it. What was your experience like? Did you have a positive experience of, of starting a business in yeah, I was told, I mean, I started my, you know, my business that I, um, I didn't really, when I first set out, um, I didn't go down the investment route. In fact, I think I was quite naive as to what was out there. Um, it was only, um, you know, quite a few years into to business that I realised about investment and, you know, all of the um, kinds of things that were open to people like family houses and, um, you know, different um VCs that you know that 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 w- were investing in companies and such like and um once I did enter that world I realized that yes it was definitely um biased and 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 prejudiced um and um there there were disparities between the the, the knowers and the people that don't know does that make sense or the the, the yes. what, what you know the in, the in click or whatever, um, and uh, I was told actually that my business is not investable or scalable, and I should just not do it. I, I I'd like to say that the person that I was speaking to possibly wasn't even racist, but they were just so the 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 the, the systematical racism that they've been raised in would allow them to not think outside of what they know so they have the the engrainment of all of those biases are are within them you know so deeply that um you know it, i think yeah well they call it unconscious bias right but the reason why the problem with the term unconscious bias is people don't really understand how unconscious it is. So if you're aware of your unconscious bias, you probably there's probably loads that you're not aware of. And I think it's becoming a bit of a buzzword now. And people are kind of making surface level changes to their thinking or surface level critiques to how they think. And they're not really getting to the bottom of okay. realising. Yeah, and realising that we have a lifetime of... From the minute you are born, you are given very specific messages about who has power, who doesn't, who is important, who doesn't, literally whose life matters and whose life doesn't. And then you become 
an adult. So all, every day of your life, you get to a certain age, and then maybe you hit your 40s, and then a black woman comes to you and says, I have this idea, and this is um, this is my business plan, and these are my these are my slides, and this is my slide deck. And they everything that's ever happened to you up at that point informs your opinion of something that should be a neutral and objective opinion. Um, and I think the problem is, is that we tend to define racism as being very explicit. So we're very good at saying it's bad to throw bananas at football players, <laughs> you know, if you're in a football match. Or we're very good at saying, oh, you can't say a particular word. But what we're really bad at saying or really drawing attention to is patterns of behaviour that don't come from a nefarious intention. Because then people get defensive. They'll say, well, I'm not racist. My, my girlfriend's black or my kids are mixed race or my teacher's black or my dentist is Indian. And yeah. you're like, well, none of those things tell me you're not racist. What tells me you're not racist is actively involving yourself and understanding what white supremacy is and what systemic racism is and how those things build up a world to protect certain people and to disempower certain people. And that's really hard. That's all, you know, like, it was really interesting to me when, you know, we had this kind of second wave of the Black Lives Matter movement where everyone was saying, right, now you have to read books. It's like, these books are like 400 pages long. They're like academic books and you've got to read 20 of them. And, you know, are these are people going to do that? And I don't think we need to read books. What we need to do is we need to somehow distill this information and get it out to yeah. people in a more actionable way. So, for example, in the school system or in the training we deliver in workplaces or in the art that we create, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes just listening to No Signal Radio and watching I May Destroy You is going to do more to undo your racism than any book. It's true though. It's, it's true. Just it's so true. true. And you know what? what? And you know what? It's, it's even more. It's even simpler than that in some senses. Have a conversation with somebody. You know, ha- have a coffee with someone. If you, if you, if you, if your immediate circle isn't looking um, diverse, then have a conversation with yourself and get out there and find out what's going on in the world. And you, you will find nine times out of ten that most people are, are ready to have a transparent, very open conversation with you and and most people are, are as well open to having those uncomfortable conversations um but if if it's not broke don't fix it and you know um you know what um you know diversity of thought is about having different conversations with people from different races and ages and ex- backgrounds and have been culturally aware and you know we people can't work places and sign up to this you know i'm i'm diversity and inclusion and i i believe in equality and they have this any job you get you sign up to it but what does it actually mean if you're 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 not um implementing that in your life you know i where i worked i was the only black female business owner in a in a in a, in a building with about 400 members yeah. How did you find working in that environment where, you know, you're in you're in a place that probably would think of itself as quite progressive, but it doesn't. It's not progressive at all. How did how did you find that? I I, I, I had I had a good experience in the environment. Um, however, because I was able to grow my network and I was able to grow in myself as an entrepreneur, um, but um, it it was obvious you know, that the environment around me wasn't very diverse. Um, and it was also obvious that um, there was a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, people would, you know, 
you, you will still get those 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 comments from people about you know oh you know are, are, are you sitting in the right place or oh, I think that you're in the wrong no no I'm not in the wrong place I'm the CEO of <laughs> of, of iOrbit and and you know little things like that where people come out with the biases and and um, you know you think to yourself oh not not this old old you know not again sort of thing um, but. In terms of my experience, I had a good experience evolving and, and growing. But just like Shirley Chisholm said, Shirley Chisholm, I don't know if you know her, she's a political I do know, activist, she was the first woman activist. to run for president. That's right. And she said, if there's no room at the table, bring a folding chair. And actually, Athena, I brought a folding chair with me everywhere because sometimes I wasn't invited into the rooms. Um, a lot of the time... I would find myself there and I would um, put the folding chair in that room and get a space. You understand what I mean? So very, I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So very often it wasn't like, oh, you know, Louise, you know, you know. And don't get me wrong, there were, there were, I had great allies, you know, and white allies as well. And people that, you know, saw that I was really trying and, and I was um, ambitious and they were like, you know, Louise, I'll introduce you to this. And I had great people, a lot of support, people that were, but then there are there are other situations where I just put myself into the room that where I may not otherwise have been invited. Um, and again, that's all part of what you were talking about earlier from the time you're born. It's like this great big effort that we have to make, you know, um, where it's obvious that we don't get the same level of equality. So we have to, fight more we have to drive more we have to be up front more and and actually as a people i think in 2020 as part of um the black lives matter movement and 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 george floyd being you know the the absolute catalyst of saying enough's enough it was like we're tired yeah <laughs> as a people oh, yeah. as a people we're tired and we just want equality we when we get up in the morning we don't want to feel like we've got to charge our Duracell batteries any more longer than you have, yeah? <laughs> what is iOrbit and when did you come up with the idea? Okay, so the idea didn't derive from iOrbit. The, di- the idea derived from a, my first company called Virtual Lou. And that came from being at home as a single mum and realising I can't do a 40-hour week and just go to work anywhere in London or out of London where I so choose, as I was used to. So I created the company to basically support other entrepreneurs and 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 um, high street businesses with PA services. So I began, first of all, supporting um, businesses within my network that quickly grew, and I began supporting um, more sort of larger, um, um, smaller businesses with PA services, business development and finance. Um, that was back in 2013 when I had my son, so... I more or less got 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 into the thick of it straight away. Some may say it was is a, a, a bit overzealous because you know I had a little baby, but I think at that time um, I had a real fire and burning desire to and real drive actually to carry these um, this vision and this this dream forward of having my own business. Um, I then didn't really have like a formal university degree, so just to add. A little bit of um, uh, even more responsibility on top of myself. I went to university and studied 
um, business, um, international business. So I mixed all, mixing that all in with being a single mum as well, um, doing a degree and then having my own business. So I basically didn't sleep at all for like um, forever. Well, I haven't slept since 2013. And um, <laughs> and um, then uh, I once I grew a reputation in you know in my network for being a virtual PA um the london olympics where the london olympic took place in the queen victoria park in stratford there was a place there called plexal which is a tech city tech hub and that was all being built and um i got the literature through the mail through the post at home and i actually you know i i you know we're going back to those books Athena, that i spoke about earlier um yes. i had read the secret and i'd read lots of those self-development books so i knew about the power of of manifestation and the power of prayer and i said i'm gonna have an office in that place and i didn't have absolutely no idea how at the time and i went down there and i spoke to them about the you know the the, the kind of business that i wanted to do and um i was then offered a contract and then i thought oh my god um now i've now i've manifested it what do i do now <laughs> You just, went, you just went there and you said, this yeah. is what I do. Yeah. I want to do it from here. And they were like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we, we had a conversation. We sat down um, and I thought there's actually no way that um, I'm going to get this. this, 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 this you know, it's going to kind of happen for me. And, but then I thought, then I thought, do you know what? I, why, why, why not me? You know, why not me? So I began to manifest this. And um, then they called me back and said, well, you know, Louise would like to offer you a space here to work um, in professional services amongst Barclays Bank, Hiscox Insurance, Kemp Little Law Firm, and some other really big names. And then I was, then I was like, oh, I don't know if I can swear on this show, but what am I going to do now? <laughs> Whoa, this is bigger than me. And that moment there, you know, all the films I watched, Pursuit of Happiness, all of them, is like a, a special moment in time where something actually feels bigger than you. And I thought, you know, I actually realised the power of what it is, you know, my surname's power, but yeah, what it is that I'm actually capable of. It was just this re really electrifying and I felt really, really, I felt really alive at that time. And, and what was the offer? Was it was it office space? Was it like incubation? No, so yeah, no, it was it, it wasn't. Funny enough, you would expect that I was doing social ent entrepreneurship, so it would have been incubation. But actually, no, it was just it was office space. But the the the, the I guess the unique part about it was that I was going to be working with um, these very large corporates, <laughs> uh, right? And um, so it was quite unique to be offered that kind of situation with a with a company that just sort of came into formation so i'd gone from working with high street businesses now to the tech industry yeah so 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 now i'm working with startup and growth companies in the world of tech and actually i had not really come from the world of tech and you can imagine there's not really many black women in tech i mean you you're not you know you're not you don't you didn't see um anybody that looked like me in these spaces right and um, so it was quite unconventional. So I learned a lot about the world of tech in that time that um, of being there and um, and a lot about, you know, what, you know, what it takes to grow a tech company. Um, 
So I then began employing other women to support these tech businesses with with PA services and and business development and and pro, you know project management. Um, and the interesting part about it is that you know the tech it worked hand in hand perfectly well because the women that I employed were just like me. And um, so yeah, it's it's it. And I I would say though that you know it wasn't easy. And and having a child and starting a business, as you know, it's very, very difficult. But I do feel like um, it's accelerating to know that, you know, you have to, oh, yeah, you have to be willing to make sacrifices, right? You've got to be willing to make sacrifices. You know you're not going to get a salary, a conventional salary every month and things like that. But the thing that got me through and kept me on the ball was just, having faith and determination in my outcome of 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 what I wanted to do, establish myself as an entrepreneur, establish myself as as a business professional and and you know and prove that actually a black woman from the poorest borough in East London, um, that's you know had quite a colourful life, um, has 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 just deserving of that seat in the corporate world with her own business than anybody else, you know? Yeah, and it's important that we understand, like, you know, we're not undeserving and these spaces are just as much as for us as they are for anybody else. What do you think about the word minority, Athena? I've always hated it because we're the global majority. Yes. So I never liked the word minority. Um, I understand that it's useful shorthand to describe discrimination because it tends to be um, the... The, the population that's in the minority that's oppressed but in South Africa you know South Africa is only about nine percent white yeah you know they're the minority there yeah so it doesn't you know it doesn't play into you know in Kenya it's the same in in Zimbabwe so the word minority doesn't really mean much to me either I'm a black person I'm an African person and I have a history um and minority just is makes it sound like people are doing you a favor yeah. by allowing you to operate or prosper and I'm glad we're starting to question these, the lexicon of race now because people are starting to question the acronym BAME, which I'm like, finally, you know, like, finally, especially because what it does is it draws a line and it says white people are on one side of the line and everyone who isn't white is on the other side of the line. Yes. And that nothing reinforces white superiority more than that. We are some kind of a baseline and you are all deviations of what people yes. should be it's just bizarre and I don't have anything to do with people who are from um you know um, Vietnam I mean I guess I do but we have it's a, you know we're not from the same place but yet you you will employ someone from Vietnam and say well I've got a diverse workplace well no one who looks like me is there yeah. there aren't any Indians there yeah um so and it, it's a way for people to diminish you and your culture so, no, what do you think of the word minority? <laughs> I, I feel the same. I've never liked it because, like you, I felt if, if we're the minority, then somebody else is the majority. And I don't like to be as, uh, um, associated with that word, really, to be honest. I know it's something that we've just let pass us by, but um, I know that I've got a few talks coming up about that very thing. Um, you know, minority has been something that, you know, I can understand, like you said, if it's being used, um, you know, for, for, for the purpose of, you know, 
uh, stats or something like that. But in terms of the everyday thing, call me by my name. Call me by my name. You know, I think that's that's fair. You call someone by their name, or or you know, you say, you know, you're preferably where you're from. You're a black person or whatever. But I don't think I'm minor to anybody, um, and I'd rather not be addressed as, uh, in that way at all. And I think there is something that needs to be done about it. Um, and like you said, everybody that's non-black, including um, Irish Gypsy, including um, you know Asian, um, African Caribbean, you know wherever you are, if you're not um, white Anglo, then you are um, what they consider to be black and minority. Or black, or black Asian minority, however they, it is, different people say it differently. Um, so yeah, for me, not something that I'm, 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 you know, and even more so, I think before I just let it, you know, we just got on with it. But now I think we are putting it to question, and it's about time. Yeah, it's about time. And like I said, it like the, there's only one minority in this world. That's white people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like the population of Western Europe is I couldn't even tell you what it is. It's probably hundreds of millions. But there's a billion people in India. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in one country, there's a billion people. So how can you call anybody a minority? And I think, I mean, there were people who philosophise and theorise that the aggression of kind of white powers over the years and centuries is because they're aware of this. So it's all about um, maintaining a kind of control through force because the numbers aren't there. And, maintaining a population that's supposedly dwindling by well, I don't know if any of that is true but what I do know is that it's very misleading if you watch you know we all watch the news we watch the media we watch tv shows you watch films you just wouldn't think that the world is actually run by people or you wouldn't think that white people hold the percentage of the world population that they do yeah it's not reflected in what like my whole my whole life is i consume whiteness i'm you know we have white names we have white religions white cultures yeah but actually the billions of people in this world who are follow a a particular culture or or create particular art or whatever they're not white you know um there was a point at which i realized how not irrelevant but how a kind of how white presence on this planet is overstated. I realized at one point the biggest boy band in the world was Korean. All the sports stars who were any good at any kind of sport that I cared about were non-white. Um, all the movies and all the TV shows I was watching were created by people who weren't white. The music I liked wasn't really created by white people. It's created by, and I just thought, oh my gosh, but you wouldn't know this to think about when you think about how the world is presented to us. Yeah, you know, you would think everything is invented by white people, and that white people are at the centre of like the cultural, social, and academic world, and it, and it wasn't true. Um, so I hate that. Yeah, I hate that word. Put it, put with the word, or put the word minority in the bin, or switch it round for it to mean white people. I'd love it. I would love that actually. I'd love it if minority referred to white people and majority referred because that's the accurate thing. Yeah, the accurate thing to say white. If you're going to bundle all non-white people under one umbrella, the yeah. accurate thing would then be to say white people are the minority and we are the majority. Right? That, that, if we're going to say that. Yeah, I, the funny. I mean, I laughed. I laughed actually because it just you I'm laughing because I just know that those things just wouldn't happen does that make sense <laughs> of course it wouldn't it would be yeah it would be too too much you know because it's not when people use the language of minority majority and whatever they're not talking about a literal minority majority they're saying 
theoretically, it doesn't matter. There could be one of us and a thousand of you. We're more powerful. That's yeah. what they're saying. But I do think, though, right, on a, on a, on a positive note, that, and I've just written an um, article, actually, Athena, it's called The Perfect Storm. Um, so I'll probably be publishing that at some point out onto my LinkedIn or something. But I do think that there is something different about this uprising that that is something different about this year to any other time because I, I tell you what it is and it just gives you a little bit of a preview into my actual article because I think the the coronavirus come, happening and people no you know no longer you know people no longer being dormant in their normal lives had the time to feel had the time to um participate in conversation and understanding and empathy of what's going on that mixed with the George Floyd death because I don't think if if George Floyd's death had happened any other time he would have been another black man that has died at the hands of the police but yeah but George Floyd's death happening at the time of the coronavirus when everybody globally was affected by the lockdown affected by you know not driving not traveling not going to work not socializing and and actually for the first time in their lives for some of us actually feeling isolation i'd never been in isolation in my life that that that, that encompasses real kinds of different emotions psychologically and at that point we suddenly have time to see oh my god is this what this is our world yeah so i think there's something about the now that's different than before because we've had George Floyd a hundred, a thousand or maybe a million times over. But what we haven't had is George Floyd and the coronavirus. And I think that that is what makes this uh, this time round a bit different. In many ways, that's just as sad, you know, like it's just as sad. It had, this had, it's sad that we had to have a global pandemic. It's just as it's sad that somebody had to have their neck stood on for nine minutes. Yeah. People... So we we should be embarrassed and ashamed, really. But you know what? Like it, we, at what, the minute you wake up is a good. It's a good thing, even if you wake up late. You know when you oversleep and it's like I've overslept. Oh yeah. my god! And you're like, you, at least you're awake. At least you know you have to get out of your house really quickly and get to wherever it was you were scheduled to go. And that's how Amen. I feel about like yeah, and being anti-racist. Like you're very very late. That was a very long lying. But you're up now, so you know. Wash your hair, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, clean your skin, and get out and get get to this. Let's get to this destination. That's like a little bit better. Before uh, we wrap up, because we're gonna have to wrap up soon, I just want to talk about because you mentioned something earlier. I made a note of it. Um, your conversations with your son, yeah, about how smart he was. Because um, I obviously don't have conversations with my daughter because she's. She's um she's still a toddler. She's under two. Oh, but, yeah. but I just didn't know kids were this smart. Like they are so clever. Um, she's we gave her an iPad and she'd be putting little like toddler games on it. And she just it's incredible watching her. Like one day she won't be able to do something, and the next day it'll be like, well, I can do this now. She's boring. And it's like, yeah. oh, we paid three quid for that. <laughs> that app cost me three pounds. You're bored of it already. Um. Or just watching her put puzzles together. I mean, she still, like, eats grass. Don't get me wrong. Like, she's still a little toddler. 
I just, yeah, how do you feel about that? Isn't it amazing just watching your kids just be intelligent? Like, how did they learn this? Yeah, definitely. My son, like, you know, he's, he's, um, he's, he's very aware of, like, worldly things. He's got green fingers as well. We live in... Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he likes to plant things. He likes to make things. He likes to build things. He loves Lego. He likes... And... I was I've been able to ah and I tell you what I think what I've been able to realize as well actually about my son is what his real um strengths are I've had the time to see that actually he's creative anything right. that he makes with his hands is what he enjoys and I don't think I made the time to 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 see that before um do you um were you homeschooling and did you enjoy it Yes, yes, I've been homeschooling. No, I haven't really enjoyed it much. <laughs> yes, I would, I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't. I, I'm, still, I'm trying to understand phonics just in preparation of like obviously teaching my daughter, and I'm like, I don't understand this stuff. You know how is, how is she supposed to understand? And that's just phonics. That's like people don't know. That's how you teach kids how to read now. You don't use the letters, you use the sounds. But I just, I yeah, I like the creative stuff, but you know, it's difficult to get. Can you imagine, like, he just, like, he just doesn't, he's not motivated because he hasn't got, you know, his friend to speak to. It's mum again. I've, it's like, it's it's almost like I think sometimes he must think, oh, it's not you again. It's, it's um, <laughs> me from, from morning till night. Oh, no, now you've got another hat on. Oh, okay, you're not the mum, you're the teacher. And I think it's too much for them. The thing that's, I think, the most impacted society and will have the longest impact in terms of time is is the fact kids have lost about six months of school and they'll never get it back because homes aren't it's hard enough to work from home having to learn from home you know you don't have the resources you don't have the physical resources so that's the one thing I think that if the government has to invest in it's looking at how we look at the six or seven months that kids lost of school and how they make up for it whilst providing a solution that's practical for teachers as well because some of the things that teachers were asked to do, well, teachers are asked to do unreasonable things anyway. I know. So it's, um, it's going to be a very difficult start to the academic year, I think, for a lot of young people. But what would be good is that they'll probably look forward to going back to school, which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I think they are, because when it first started, my son was like, yes. <laughs> I noticed yesterday he was like, I wouldn't mind going in for at least a few days. So, yeah, yeah, I think they're all going to, I hope the government, and I'll say this out there to you, government, um, are going to stick to their word and pump as much money back into an education system in September as they say they're going to do, because any all the children going back should have all of the provisions that they need um, for their education. Um, you know, it's, you know, that children shouldn't be pressurised when they get back or made to meet unrealistic expectations or anything like that. They need to have the support that they can get back to, you know, a, 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 a comfortable level of education, you know, after missing so much. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, absolutely. The government do listen to this podcast. I have it on good authority. 
Um, so yeah, good. They'll respond to you probably, <laughs> and if not, we'll start a petition. Um, okay. On that note, on that note, I think we have to end. Sadly, uh, oh. gonna, I know, I know. I could just chat about this all day. <laughs> um, but, but but I did tell you before we started the recording. I said I said to you that normally people come around and they get like a plate of plantain, whatever refreshments they want, um, and they get you know they get a bit of my hospitality basically. But oh. I wasn't able to provide this, so you get a voucher. You can uh, you can use that voucher. It's valid at any time. You pop round three in the morning with your with your company voucher, and I have to get up and I have to make you something, and then we have to sit down and we can we can re- we can reenact this all over again. Okay, yeah, so I'm, holding, I'm holding you to that. Ab- absolutely. Okay, uh, do hold me to it because I will forget. Uh, <laughs> That's yours. So thank you for keeping my company. Um, yeah, thank you. And also, like, where, like, obviously, people might want to use your services or find out a bit more about your journeys yes. or like read your articles. What's the best place for people to find well, you? Well, find me on LinkedIn. I say, yeah, Louise Power. Um, uh, I don't think there's there's many Black Louise Powers. The last time Louise but, Power on LinkedIn, who run, who's the CEO of Iowa. Who's the CEO I think that's of enough. Of, and that's uh, so, that's so professional because normally people go Twitter, Instagram, but you're like yeah, LinkedIn. yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. I, I I love LinkedIn. I'm I'm there. I'm there most days, and and um, yeah, just 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 connect with me, and I'm happy to have a conversation, have a coffee, and um, let's let's talk. All right, Louise, that sounds fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, you can also catch me on at, on on my on my Instagram as well, the Power Hour. Or Miss yes. Power. Yes. Yes. The Power Hour. You'll show the yeah. Power Hour. Yes, you've yeah. got to catch up with the Power Hour. It was yeah. Louise Power, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thank you. This has been so fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you ever so much. So that was my friend Louise Power. Power by name, power by nature. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be so cliched and corny. Forgive me. I've was dying to say that throughout the whole podcast and I'm saying it now Louise I'm sorry but it's true you know it and if you've heard it your whole life it's because it's true you know um you got your degree started a business uh, a parent it's a lot on your plate and you're managing it all um and it's fantastic to see your success and thank you again for coming on my podcast um I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you're thinking of starting a business I hope there was some advice in there that you found useful what's really interesting about Louise's journeys a lot of people start businesses and it's like making something and selling something something but actually there's a huge business side in providing services um, and we don't often see a lot of those stories be, being told it tends to be people who made something and it, they got it onto the shelves in Sainsbury's as opposed to people who sell professional services so I really enjoyed listening to Louise's story and I hope you found it useful too thank you for listening to this podcast if you liked it you can tell a friend why not tell someone you like loads tell someone you kind of like um, as an acquaintance and then you'll become friends once you recommend this podcast guarantee it anyone you know a little bit you're going to know them loads once you recommend this podcast to them and you've got another friend which is good um yeah and there's loads of old episodes too for you to catch up on on all your favorite podcasting platforms i'm athena kablenu i'm sure you know that already i'm a stand-up comedian writer and broadcaster and i'm on twitter instagram and facebook just find search my name and you'll find me in those places thank you again for listening and we'll catch up next time